Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. Breaking news. Will Smith has resigned from the Academy. I don't even know what the hell that means. Sounds like something out of Star Wars. <laughs> One of the Star Wars spinoffs. You must resign from the Academy. Oh, man. It's actually not breaking news, but it is the stupidest development yeah. of the week of that really was crazy. We'll talk about that in just a second, but let us tell you first... Screen Time is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing that drives your overall business success. Because they believe that today's online world is your opportunity, visit AmericanEagle.com to get started today. Richard, please explain to us what it means to quit, resign, uh, take a leave of absence from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So late Friday afternoon, uh, Will Smith contacted the Academy and uh, submitted his resignation and then issued a statement in which he, you know, it's a very well-worded and I believe sincere statement, obviously crafted with the help of his team of publicists and managers. The statement reads, the list of those I have hurt is long and includes Chris Rock, his family, many of my dear friends and loved ones, all those in attendance and global audiences at home. I betrayed the trust of the Academy. I am heartbroken. I want to put the focus back on those who deserve attention for their achievements and allow the Academy to get back to the incredible work it does to support creativity and artistry in film. So he resigned from the Motion Picture Academy, row, And I want to give uh, credit and a shout out to Scott Feinberg, the reporter, because even the Variety story that I believe broke this and a lot of the Wire stories, they just said he resigned from the Academy. And I was getting all these people, well, what does that mean? Here's right. what it means right now. It means he can no longer vote for the Oscars. He doesn't have a vote as a member of the Academy because he has resigned. However, he can still be nominated for Oscars, attend future Oscar ceremonies, and keep the Oscar statue he just won. Now, the Academy has accepted his resignation, but they are continuing their investigation. Why they need to investigate, it's pretty clear what happened, right? But they said they're going to you know, do it. It's like Major League Baseball. Before they change a rule, it takes like four years, right? Right. Or the January 6th committee. You know, It just takes forever. That I kind of understand why it would take forever, right? Uh, but right now they're saying we accept his resignation. They still could issue further sanctions against Will Smith. They're not going to take his Oscar away. No, I don't see them doing that. You because- can't. I mean, I, it, he still won. Right. I mean, you know, the the, the brutal reality is, you know, O.J. Simpson killed two people. He still is a Heisman Trophy winner. He still had a 2,000-yard rushing season for the Buffalo Bills. You can't take that away. Right. You can say you're not going to honor him. You're going to, you know, not going to have displays about his career, et cetera, et cetera. But as we've mentioned before, uh, Harvey Weinstein still has his Oscar for producing Shakespeare and Love. He's out of the Academy. He's you know he's no longer he's been expelled from the Academy. As has Roman Polanski. And a, there's, the list is about five or six people now. So perhaps he was trying to head off an expulsion. Yeah. Yeah. So he then resigns. My guess, and the over under here is going to be 36 months. Mm. That he reinstates himself, or he'll be reinstated. He applies for reinstatement. He gets it. Because people will have forgotten. It will have been a slap. Everybody will be having fun with it. Chris Rock, although, has been incredibly quiet about this. And it has been the subject of a new conspiracy theory. I believe QAnon is now pushing this, if I'm not mistaken. That the whole thing was a setup to make sure that Chris Rock's career found new light. Because he's on tour and he wants to play bigger 
venues than he is currently playing. This uh, this is how the conspiracy oh, geez, goes. Yeah. I don't believe any of this. Uh, and that Will Smith was willing to uh, to do this for Chris Rock, his dear old friend. None of that is true right. either. Uh, and it was also a way to highlight the trials and tribulations of those suffering with alopecia. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, How about that? That's a that's a stretch that'll pull your hamstring right there yeah. doing that. Uh you know, especially when we consider first of all Will Smith, Chris Rock is fine. His career is fine. Yes. Oh, and yeah. and Will Smith's career is obviously, uh, you know, has always has for 30 years been one of the biggest in Hollywood. You know, if if Chris Rock had ever gone to Will Smith and said, you know, I'm struggling, can you help me? He cast him in a movie. There'd be one one idea you could do. <laughs> but this is interesting too, Ro. Uh, people are also talking about what's going to be the fallout. First of all, I agree with you about the Academy. And you suspend him for a couple of years and, and comes back. You know, he comes back. And I think most people would be fine with that. I still say there's going to be an Oprah sit down, a summit with Chris and Will. Mm, and they'll do it in Gail King's backyard, which looks like, you know, Augusta. It goes on forever. We saw that because <laughs> she interviewed the, the Prince guy and the, the, the oh, yeah. uh, uh, Megan, Megan Markle and her husband. <laughs> Prince I'm a big, you can tell I'm a big royal guy. <laughs> You know, they had like a chicken farm. And remember that? Remember that interview? We're going to go down this yes. other path here. But she interviewed that. Which guy is it? Is it Prince Harry? Yeah, Prince Harry. Yeah. And Meghan Markle. Right. They, they quit the, the crown. That's yeah. It. They quit that TV show. Right. Crown, exactly what happened. And right. they moved to California. Right. And then Oprah interviewed him in Gail King's backyard. And then my favorite scene from that interview, and you got to check this out, was when they were giving her a tour. They're, they went over to their backyard then for a while. And they've right. got a little chicken farm for the kids. Yeah. Cute, you know? Yeah. But my favorite thing is Oprah had this little basket of a half dozen like she was going to take him home and make her own omelet, you know. It's like, you know, as soon as it's over, she's like, hey, she's got it. Probably has an egg person, just someone, you know, the it, Julia Child's great niece or something. And it's <laughs> all in like outside of Santa Barbara, right? That's the whole thing. It looks and like it, heaven. It, it, I, it, I just wonder though the pretentiousness that goes on. Can you just imagine at the Vons supermarket in Santa Barbara? Oh, geez. What the, what goes on? The lemonade stand out in front where they only take Bitcoin, like the little kids. <laughs> but I want to go back to where we are here, sir. Netflix has backed away from the Will Smith film called Fast and Loose. Um, the project was in development, and they've now put it on the back burner. Okay. Uh, the director had left just before. A few days before the Oscar ceremony, the director left the project, so it was kind of in limbo. But now they're kind of just putting it on the back burner. Well, uh, I want to stop right there. Yeah. Do we think that the director left because Will Smith is in some sort of crazy ass crisis? Because he I don't certainly know. seems well, like he, he left is. before the incident, but he might have. There might have been who knows the the obligatory you know uh, creative differences. David Leach is a director. He's moving on to a movie called Fall Guy, starring Ryan Gosling. Ooh, I wonder if it's based on the TV show The Fall Guy. It probably is because everything's based on the TV show. And then. Uh, Will Smith also has a, a slave escape drama called Emancipation. Now, that's been already filmed, Rowan. They're in post-production. Oh. Ooh. But it was going to come out in 2022. I bet they pushed that back to 2023. Yeah. I think, you know, just just uh, just because you just want to get away from it. And that sounds and, like it's probably, uh, a, you know, kind of a higher caliber yeah, an production, Emmy prestige type project. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it, wait, is it a TV? Apple, or? It's Apple Plus. So, oh. I, honestly, I don't know if it's a, it's a drama, but it could be if it's a film, if it's one episode of if it's a film, it would still be eligible. But either way, it's awards type of stuff. Yeah. And then Bad Boys Four is in development. But again, Sony can say, you know what? That's going to be on our. Tw they didn't even start filming yet, so they can put that out in 2025. I, I think you won't see a lot of new Will Smith projects in the next year or two, as he probably works hard. You know, I'm sure he's going to go through some sort of therapy and healing process. He's got a, a yeah. tons of other projects where he can be behind the scenes, and just you know, he's. What is he? He's in his fifties. 
he's his career isn't over. You know, no. and, and when he comes back to the Oscars, if he comes back in three years and Chris Rock is his plus one, which, you know, but when he comes back, there'll be a standing ovation. And, you know, and, and the truth is that the whole thing was ugly and unnecessary and horrible. But we have to keep this in perspective, too. He's not Harvey Weinstein. He's no, not Roman no, no, Polanski. No, no. Uh, and I think what, you know, they've handled it well. Now, you mentioned Chris Rock. I guess his first night he was on tour, right? As you mentioned, he's coming, you know, across America. It's going on for months. And somebody yelled out some sort of obscenity right off the bat about Will Smith. And he says, no, 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 we're not doing that. You right. know, we're not going down that road. Uh, there was a report that he was the... You know, that he, plays into the conspiracy, by the way. That he, he yeah, doesn't he, want yeah. to take part in all yeah. of this. I think he's really the one that's trying to figure out how to best handle this. Because, you know, his comedy, I don't think he really addressed it other than that. But he's going to at some point. Right. Uh, it, and, you know, again, it's really unfortunate because, it, you know... Two great careers all of a sudden distilled. And now, of course, there's all the memes and gifs, or you say gifs. And, you know, the people, people are so clever. They have so much talent that I don't think they get paid anything for, but they superimpose their faces on, like, Three Stooges videos and right. stuff and, and old Chappelle show skits and everything. And they look like it's, like, really them. So, and then, of course, we've had this, you know, this onslaught. Everybody's got an opinion. And now there's opinions about the opinions. And I saw people were giving Daniel Radcliffe People know him from Harry Potter and a bunch of other mm -hmm. things. They're giving him a hard time because somebody asked him at a, an event two or three days later about this. And he said, you know, everybody's expressed their opinion. I don't think I need to add mine. Everyone's like, oh, he doesn't even want to. And I'm like, why? He's smart. Good for him. Right. What can he say that's not going to get, you know, 25% of Twitter trying to cancel him? No matter what he says. Even if he took out his wand and it turned out that he actually <laughs> was Harry Potter. <laughs> unless he could do some sort of memory spell and erase it. You know, yeah. so, you know, and that's the other thing, oh, too. I, I really hope all the entertainment reporters and junketeers, etc., you know, for a while, the big thing was ask every single prestige director what they think of the Marvel films because Scorsese said they weren't really cinematic. And then they asked everybody, anybody who was over 60. I hope this doesn't become the thing now where you're going to ask every actor in Hollywood what they think of that moment. Let it go. Don't put it, you know, because again, what are they going to say? There's nothing you can say, really, that's going to really say, have people say, oh, perfectly, you know, perfect answer from the supporting actor in this new Fast and Furious movie or whatever. So... Well, it's funny because Mel Gibson was just on a junket in which he was being interviewed by Jesse Waters at Fox News Channel. Yes. And and Jesse, let's let's listen to this clip because yeah. I want to yeah. react to this. While speaking with Fox News to promote his latest directorial effort for the film Father Stew, the interview quickly got cut short after host Jesse Waters made a quick segue about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. You know, the sooner you realize there's something bigger than all of us, the, the, the easier it's going to be in your life. And uh, as I say, hard jump to make for a lot of us, even me, and I kind of understand the process. You understand it probably better than a lot of people with your career. And I was wondering if, you know, you had been the one that jumped up out of his seat and slapped Chris Rock, if, if you would have been treated the same way, Mel. Hello, Jesse. Um, thank you. That's our time. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> no. Um, I'm, thank you, Jesse. Um, okay. we, that is our time. So now when you hear the publicist jump in on a phone line, yeah. essentially, and try to time. stop it, yeah. that happens on every junket that's happened to you and me. I, I can't even sure. count the number of times. As soon as I ask a question of some celebrity that the publicist could be unhappy with, they're canceling the interview as you're doing it. Yeah. Now, this happened to have been live. And it was a moment. And I think it's kind of an appropriate question in some respects to ask him 
because yeah. let's face it, Mel Gibson is crazy, right? And if you see the clip, he's kind of he looks great, by the way. He's cleaned up, I guess, but he's twitching and making all these weird gestures. And yeah, Mel Gibson is a case study when people talk about will Hollywood forgive because he is directing movies and starring in movies. Yeah. And the stuff he said that is on recorded tape, either with his ex or with the police department when they pulled him over, is horrific and horrendous <laughs> and just is ugly. And in fact, in uh, podcast in the near future, Ro, we're going to be reviewing a movie called Father Stew. Mark Wahlberg plays the title character. It's based on the real life story of a guy who decides to become a priest. And you know, Mark Wahlberg, God bless him, is clearly going through his own redemption tour. He keeps yes. playing these real life characters who do these amazing things because Mark Wahlberg really was involved in some in a hateful, horrific, violent crime when he was a teenager. Right, and he's well, he's, he's talked he's about talked it. talked about it the whole yeah. time. That's, that, but, that's but baked the, in the but, cake. But the movie is starring Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson. Okay, so you know what I'm saying? It's like they yeah. got those two guys are starring in a big budget theatrical release. So, yeah, Will Smith is not going to get canceled. Right. 100% not going to get canceled. And there wasn't, I mean, of course, you know, everybody in the media, depending on which stream you're, you're partisan to, and now we have to be partisan to a stream, which has its own problems. Mm. But I'm sure Jesse Waters knew, hey, I know that the audience that is watching me right now thinks that Mel Gibson, under all circumstances, gets a raw deal. Even when he besmirches entire cultures or religions, he gets a raw deal. So let's ask him this, because he would have gotten a raw deal from the Academy because the, they are the liberal elite, right? That would have been the answer to that question if if Mel had been allowed <laughs> yeah. to answer the question. And it wasn't Mel wasn't trying to answer the question. They literally, his publicist had cut his microphone off at that point. You don't usually see that on a nationwide television broadcast. As you mentioned, it happens a lot in interviews, but you know it's stuff that's recorded, so you don't hear the publicist saying, that's our time. Like, where's Mel going after he talks to Jesse Waters on right. Fox News? What's he got going? I mean, you know... <laughs> He's building, you know, another church in his backyard, or you know, whatever he's doing. It's what like, it's what radio like, interview you know, is he yeah, going to do he, with a yeah, podcast? Exactly. Now he's yeah. doing KMLX in St. Louis. After that, you know. Yeah, so. Okay. So, but here's the problem: why do we, why do we keep falling into this trap? We're just perpetuating it here, and you know, Jesse Waters is just perpetuating it when he's doing this with like, see, they wouldn't treat Mel Gibson with kid gloves. Well, Mel Gibson's promoting a movie, right? Yeah. To your point. Yeah, that's why he was, so yeah, that's why like it was so available. Stupid. I don't I, I'm actually kind of surprised that the publicists jumped in. They certainly couldn't have been surprised by the question. Uh and you know, again, Mel Gibson, God knows what he would have said because he's out there, but you know, he would be somebody who could speak to this and say, Listen, I did some horrible, embarrassing, shameful things in my life and I've gotten sober and I've, you know, found a new path and I'm back in Hollywood and, you know, time will forgive all. And I think Will Smith should be forgiven. If he said that, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, what, I don't know, but it, that's our time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, although the most officious people in the world are Hollywood publicists. Man. They, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I can say that we, a lot of them have helped us over the years. Oh yeah. A, a ton. But the people who are the gatekeepers who have to be like the, um, you know, the tough guys of the publicist world who do that, work the red carpets with their clients and things like that. Oh, my oh, man. God. You have oh. never felt the cold stare of death 
<laughs> as when you see like one of those veteran publicists, you know, they're always like sue somebody or pat somebody with their clipboard and their headset and they just, you know, you're asking a question and they're just giving you that death stare. We'll kill you in this town. Now, the good thing is if you're on the good side, that's fantastic. And, you know, you and I actually are because we're actually not looking for that gotcha moment most of the time. And I've, I've said this a million times to publicists when I've interviewed various major stars who have been involved either in recent romantic entanglements or some sort of addiction thing or something. And I'm like, you know, I wish them the best, but I don't give a shit. I'm here to talk to them about the work. I write about the work. I know some film critics who say they won't review a movie with Mel Gibson in it. They won't review something that, you know, somebody else is attached to. And I say, you start doing that, you better look into who was the cinematographer and who was the gaffer and who was doing everything else. That's that's a different topic. I'll I will mention sometimes in a review that a certain star is, you know, is back and starring in movies after a, you know, a stint in rehab or something like that. But for the most part, you know, when Lindsay Lohan made a movie and she's done some really good work actually, I would talk about the movie in my review. People know about her other struggles and right. you know, they see all that. So I, I completely get that. And it and it's, it can be a thankless job for the publicist because oh, yeah. they're kind of like actually anti publicity, except for the sort of publicity they want. Right. They, they're that whole notion of yes. any publicity is good publicity is nonsense. It's not. You know. <laughs> right. so. Well just ask Will Smith right now. He's getting a lot yeah. of publicity. Oh, it's a stunt, it's a publicity stunt. Oh, they want to get this kind of attention. People who want to get that kind of attention, whether they are the reporters asking the questions mm-hmm. or sometimes a celebrity on the other side of the mountain who's trying to become relevant again, they'll be obnoxious publicly to try to grab that attention, 100%. to go viral. Even before there was such a thing as going viral, 100%. you saw people doing this, right? I, I, I would love, I mean, let's, let's go back, what is it, almost 20 years ago now, maybe more than 20 years ago, Paris Hilton. Yeah. Right. There were all kinds of things that, you know, Paris Hilton would drop stuff into the press or her publicist would drop stuff into the press and then say, oh, by the way, she's shopping on Rodeo Drive today mm-hmm. and she'll be there at 515 outside of blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you know, they'd be able to find her there. Yeah. Right. Well, and that still happens to this day, especially like Kardashians. It do it depend- all time. Yeah. And even some major movie stars that, you know, they act like all oh, the paparazzi's follow me. It's like, really, they knew you were going to be playing with your kids on the swing set at that park at that particular time you just happen to be that at that park right or at that store and as you mentioned too i mean there are certain stars like there's a place called the ivy right which is a famous lunch spot you know that's and there's certain celebrities go there all the time for lunch because there's always paparazzi there or at certain terminals at lax there's ways you can court that publicity when you want it and then they're like oh i can't believe the paparazzi although i do want to give credit um alec baldwin who by the way hilaria his yes. wife is yes. now expecting their seventh, their seventh child. Wow. And we wish him the best. And, you know, t- talk about an actor that we might not see doing anything for a long time after the tragedy on the, the right. set of Rust. But on April Fool's Day, he actually posed for a photo with a paparazzo. Paparazzo? How do you say a singular for paparazzi? Uh, a, a paparazzo? A paparazzo or paparazzo? I think a paparazzo. Yeah. Uh, he actually said to the guy, come on, let's take a selfie together. It's April Fool's Day and everybody should get along. You see him with this guy <laughs> who looks scared out of his mind. But there's a guy, you know, and listen, that's a whole other topping too, but it's like, you know, they, they, they just love him. There are other actors just as well known as Alec Bowen who go about New York City all day long, but it's like with Alec Baldwin, they never know right. if he's going to take his bicycle and wrap it around their necks. But <laughs> seven, seventh kid, uh, Hilaria, and I think, God bless him. Um, Didn't he stop uh, asking for them after three well, or something I like that? You know, he complains every time she gets she, pregnant. I think 
listen, I, she seems to be the world's greatest mom. God love her. But I think part of it is she just loves like two days after she gives birth. She's doing like upside down yoga poses and she has lost all the weight. It's like scary. Uh, now. Yeah. So we wish um, all those folks the best. I do want to talk, Ro, uh, before we go to the break. And unfortunately, this is really sad news that also broke last week. And that is that Bruce Willis is stepping away from acting. His family announced the actor is retiring from the profession after being diagnosed with aphasia, a language disorder caused by brain damage that affects a person's ability to communicate. So they, they put out this beautiful, loving statement on, on social mm-hmm. media. Uh, and that's about all we know. Um, that's what they're it, saying publicly. Yeah. Uh, there have been a number of actors now, directors, producers, people who've been working with him over the last mm. 18 months, 24 months, who've talked about his inability to, to be oh, able to deliver well. his lines, to remember things that are going on. It sounds like this has been uh, part of mm. a longer neurological thing that's that's oh. occurring to him. And it, it it is sad because he's 67 years old. Right. And that's very young to start to have this kind of you know cognitive yeah, decline, yeah. and it seems that it's it's steep enough that they have to make a move right now for him to make this announcement. And that's you know of of all of the you know beloved figures, and and he really has been. I mean, he's had a few moments of he's had his moments too. Uh, but of, he'd be the first to tell you, yeah, yeah. You know. But uh, he is he is a beloved guy. He's he's also one of those. Uh, unique Hollywood stories that gives everybody who's ever been divorced in America hope that you can blend families afterwards and then your ex gets along with your current girlfriend or I think wife he, or yeah. whatever it is. Didn't he go to like Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher's wedding, I think, yeah. right? And they still seem to be close. And he, we've seen his grown daughters because they've all become actors and filmmakers of the, right. in their own right. But he also has, with his current wife, two younger children that are like seven and ten. You know, who are not in the public mm-hmm. eye yet. But so that's that just makes this, you know, so doubly yes, sad. Really sad. And there is and you're right. I mean, listen, he you know, he had a lot of public, you know, going back to his feuds with Sybil Shepherd on Moonlighting and you know, he was Bruno, the character that was the bartender that be you know, played the harmonica in the band and had a lot of parties, but I, I, I put together a list, Ro, and you know these as well, but, you know, people always mention Die Hard, of course. Sure. But, you know, of course, uh, he was one of the famous examples of a career being resurrected with Pulp Fiction in 1994, along with John Travolta, because, you know, I mean, he was still doing okay, but it wasn't the 10 years earlier Die Hard success. But he also did, of course, The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, two great M. Night Shyamalan movies, uh, 12 Monkeys, The Fifth Element, Moonrise Kingdom, The Whole Nine Yards, 12 Monkeys. I mean, there's a really real range there. And there's a film uh, that I always really loved and admired that doesn't get a lot of attention. It's a Norman Jewison film called uh, In Country. And it came out right around the diehard period. And it was his attempt and and a successful attempt to prove he could do a quiet, powerful drama. It's Mm -hmm. based on a novel by Bobby Ann Mason, which I loved. And uh, Emily Lloyd plays a young woman whose father was killed in Vietnam, and she wants to know more about him. And she goes to her uncle, played by Bruce Willis, who was also a veteran, and you know tries to learn about life and everything from him. It's a very powerful film. So you look at that, and you realize he really wasn't the one-trick oh. pony. Now, in recent years, as you mentioned, I, you know, I, I was unaware of, of problems with you know his, his ability to speak and understand language, but he had gotten into that mode of doing like six movies a year, action right. movie after action movie. And he was always really good at them, but they were kind of kind of in that Nicolas Cage mode, right. other actors that just start doing tons of films. Uh, 
and they had started feeding him his lines in an mm. earwig, they call it, which is an in-ear uh, device where he's just listening and repeating. Uh, there are a lot of actors, especially older actors, that they do mm. that with yeah, over the years. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's something, it's funny you said that, you know, he had to have a comeback. Every actor in Hollywood, in the history of Hollywood, you think about the biggest stars of all yeah, yeah. time, they have comebacks. Everybody has a comeback. Everybody had a yeah. moment in their career that they talk about where no one was going to hire them. Yep. And then somehow, some way, you know, they Catherine Hepburn had a famous one. She mm. couldn't work for like three Jeez. years in Hollywood. Amazing, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, she does a movie. Uh, she does Pat and Mike or one of, the, one of those movies that mm. she did with Spencer Tracy. Mm. And it comes back, you know. Yeah. And it's so, it, it, it's, it, it's, you know, it's fickle, but talent wins out. The best ones win out, and Bruce Willis certainly among them. Do you know what I actually mm. loved him in, <laughs> which is crazy? It's a small cameo role where he plays himself, but he is he's amazing, is in Ocean's 12. Yeah. When he's, yeah. he's in Europe I forgot and he about that. Yeah. runs into Julia Roberts, not playing Julia Roberts, but they want to make her into Julia Roberts. Yeah. That performance is just so great in Hollywood. It's such a send-up of the talk about the pomposity of yeah. celebrity. Yeah. He's so great in that. And he's, it is, it's been great in everything. I've always enjoyed him. You know, start, you knew he was going to be a gigantic star for moonlighting. The first time you saw him in moonlighting, yeah. you're like, Oh, this guy's going to be something. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And you know, again, Die Hard will always be mentioned first, but it's the perfect action movie. And there was a reason why they paid him $5 million, even though he was known as a television actor, which was you know unprecedented at the time, because they knew that too. Let's get this guy now. Right. You know, because that's going to be a bargain. And it was. Right. So, so uh, yeah. I, we wish, obviously, the best for his family and for him. And maybe the uh, ability to not be working mm. will be better for him. And because they can spend more time yeah. trying to get him through the rehabilitative process. There are a lot of drugs coming online mm. that are uh, that are aimed at dementia uh, related kind of conditions and not that this is technically uh, dementia with a big d but it's you know some form of cognitive uh, disability now that has that's overtaken him so yeah, hopefully just, they'll be able know, to get a hold of that when you think about you know someone who is i mean this tragic for everyone of course and anyone who goes through this but especially for someone known for his fast rapid banter and patter and can you imagine that you know being trapped in a world where you can't understand or cannot communicate yeah. is just um it is it's a very difficult situation, but again, we, um, you know, we, we, he, he leaves in his retirement now. Mm. He leaves in his wake this incredible body of yeah, work, really. and he'll be celebrated now. You know, you'll look at him when, when people stop working, you look back on their catalog, and, and yeah. you know, it, it becomes even better. Yeah, in a I, lot of that, ways. with that list, I, I really kind of hadn't appreciated him, I don't think, in, on all the different types of films he was able to carry. Let's tell you about Portillo's and then about our return. Another sad moment in entertainment history. But celebratory as well. We're going to make it celebratory. Portillo's are known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the freshest and tastiest ingredients right down to the poppy seed bun and, of course, their legendary chocolate cake. But that's just the beginning, my friends. The menu has mouth-watering varieties of favorites from a charbroiled burger to an Italian beef to a mm-hmm. cheese fry to a chopped salad and the chocolate cake. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. 
If you are a fan of this podcast or heard any other episode of this, you know how I feel about the chocolate cake. It's the greatest chocolate cake in the history of chocolate or cake. Portillo's also has locations throughout the Midwest and in Florida, California, and Arizona. Order curbside pickup or delivery today. Ship Portillo's anywhere in the United States of America by ordering at portillos.com. That's P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. C.W. McCall, dead at the age of 93. Arizona, noon on the 7th of June, when they highballed over the pass. Bulldog Mac with a can on back and a Jaguar hauling ass. He's 10 on the floor, stroking boars, seat cover starting the game. Now, Beaver, you were trucking with a rubber duck, and I'm about to pull a plug on your drink. You know, uh, in terms of all of the yeah. novelty songs of the past, uh, oh, I don't know, 100 years of novelty songs uh, that were put into some sort of recording, uh, that is one of my least favorite. Well, I I love Convoy, and I'll tell you, partially I think, you know, we always talk about where you were when certain things happen. I always say people love certain television shows because they were in high school, and I was in probably freshman year. Uh, Convoy was a massive hit. Uh, that really kind of piggybacked on the CB radio craze. And yes. You, and, Ro, you know this. That happened because in the 70s there was a gas crisis. Can you imagine people lining up for hours to get gasoline because there was a gasoline crisis? What a crazy time. So truckers started employing uh, the use of these. I think they had them anyway, but even more citizens banned radios, right? right? So you could communicate with each other. Hey, there's gas available at this oasis or this truck stop. And then it became a whole craze where people just got CB radios in their cars right. and it, ham radio, kind of the same thing, right? Like yeah, it, but it was CB radio was, but a ham radio was a bigger endeavor. Yeah, ham radio is like your dad had it in the basement and he'd be talking to like his Norway. friends from Korea that fought in the war, <laughs> right. you know, like that he, that he made, yes. the friendships he forged. But what the yeah. CB radio was, it was the first social media. Yeah, it really was. Essentially. And now they, so they weren't expensive, right? Not super expensive. No, and you got to... Radio I mean, Shack. But you did have to either have a base station in your house uh, uh, that was like okay. the size of a VCR. Yeah, Remember yeah, Remember what yeah. a VCR was? Yeah. Uh, size and, of a microwave. Yes. If you will. And then, and then you could get the littler version and put it in your car. Right. And then you know people had them in their cars, and they would, and then they would listen to the truckers. And, and the truckers, for a while, enjoyed the idea that they'd be they'd become celebrities because they had their own language and their own culture around yeah. it. And it was, and you know, it was Breaker Breaker One Nine meant you were on Channel Nineteen, and there were police channels that you could listen to on some of those frequencies. And then there were you know uh, other places where literally there were hook, hookers working. Oh my goodness! On, again, it was just like Shocking. the internet. It was like it was the early internet. It was a way wow. that you could go to like you know channel whatever it was. And then, and then the, the truckers could find out where the nearest brothel was Oh, my to them. goodness. I can't believe that yeah, ever happened. I know. Shocking. And, shocking. 
and then people having private conversations and all kinds of, I mean, it was just, it was just insane what that was like compared to what is now happening on social media because you only had 40 channels to choose from. Right. But that yeah. was insane because people there were only were... literally five TV channels to choose from and maybe yeah. 20 other commercial radio stations to choose from. Yeah, and I remember people in my neighborhood, some people would get it, and then, yeah, there'd be arguments, get off this channel and stuff like that. Now, that phase and that craze, you know, really spawned this whole pop culture movement. Uh, there was a movie called Citizens Band directed by a young Jonathan Demme. And then they actually made a movie called Convoy, 1978. Yes. Chris Christopherson, Ali McGraw, and Ernest Borgnine. That's a big cast. Convoy. Man. Yeah, so the song. Now, here's the genesis of this, of Convoy, which Roe is somehow disparaged, even though I <laughs> I, I just thought it was the, the greatest thing ever when C.W. Call would go on these uh, American Bandstand and stuff, and he'd bring out the big CB unit, and then the handpiece right that yeah. he would and he would talk into it as if he were really doing it uh you know reciting the words including uh i remember when he said when, by the time we got to shot town the bear was getting smart they brought up reinforcements from the illinois national guard that was i love that illinois with the z so he created cw mccall for a 1973 advertising spot for old home bread oh. and he had won a cleo award and he now took on the persona of the trucker cw mccall and Convoy went to number one, not just country, but on the Billboard Hot 100. Number one, my friend. Wow. Double gold. And then people come uh. a one-hit wonder. No. No, 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 no. Because he had follow-ups, including, are you ready? Old Home Filler Up and <laughs> Keep On Trucking Cafe, Wolf Creek Pass, Classified. Uh -huh. And then he got into the environment and actually did a song called There Won't Be No Country Music, There Won't Be No Rock and Roll. Because he was concerned uh, about the environment. I recall that song. Uh, actually, I, I'm going to refuse to play it, but it is one of those. Uh, oh. uh, whew, it's just another one from that era of pre-construction in terms of music. Yeah, this was the end of that pop era as well. At the, sort of that '70s kind of. The production was great. If you are like a a, a music aficionado and a production aficionado. You hear, even on that song, incredible production. You hear, you know, horns and other things. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really lush, right? It's not broken down. And it builds because the convoy right. gets bigger yes. and bigger, and the chorus gets louder and louder. It's really quite emotionally uplifting, Ro, even though you I don't, don't think it is that emotionally uplifting. Convoy. But I do think this, and I know this actually to be true, that the, the deconstruction movement of punk rock was spawned by songs like Convoy, might have been Convoy itself, that actually yeah. created that entire deconstruction ah. Well, there's you know, The Streak by Ray Stevens. Was a hit <laughs> See, again? about streaking craze. Again, you know? I think that has something to do with it because any sort of fab moment. And this, again, it goes back to that was the meme of its day. That was the viral moment of its day. Yeah. But those things would last for like two years at a time. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And again, everything that we see on social media also happened on the 40 channels of the CB band, but they happened in audio only. <laughs> well, this was an interesting uh, little mini trend as well. We mentioned that this kind of came out of uh, an advertising campaign, yep. and that was a little bit of a trend. Um, We've Only Just Begun, which became a number one hit for the Carpenters. Beautiful song. It was actually originally written for a California bank chain. It was about a young married couple going in to get their first like home mortgage loan, right? Oh, wow. We've Only Just Begun. And yeah. Then it turned into it. And then um, I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing 
by the New Seekers became yep. a number one hit, and people who saw Mad Men might remember at the end of Mad Men that was that was an actual giant Coca Cola advertising campaign because it was like you know I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. <laughs> and keep it company, <laughs> right? And then they changed the lyrics, and that became a number one hit. So yep. there, you know, there, this kind of odd thing too, where commercial jingles became pop hits. The seventies were alternately the cheesiest, corniest, worst decade, and the coolest decade because you also had like you know the soundtrack from Superfly competing with Convoy you know, on the charts. Well, <laughs> think about the difference between nineteen seventy and nineteen eighty. And you think about the technological differences. Obviously, there were political and social and all those other differences and fashion differences. Mm. But some of that fashion has come back wildly. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the art aesthetic of interior design has come back. And some of the other you know, pop art has, you know, has these references, warm references to the 1970s. But when was the PC invented? Yeah. You know, in the 70s. Yeah. When the real baby was born of what we eventually became in the 1970s. And you mentioned the VCR. You know, again, it was very early, but you started seeing talks of VTRs and VCRs, which changed everything. And now we've come full circle, Ro, because in 2022, uh, it seems like almost every other commercial on television is using a song from the 60s or 70s. Yeah. I mean, they all use these pop hits, which is interesting to me because in the 70s, they weren't using tunes from the 20s you know, in commercials, right? <laughs> right. You know? Well, I mean, you know, I, that's maybe not 100% the, true. Maybe but... songs from the 50s they were. You know, that was a big craze, of course, in the yeah. 70s for the 50s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, you know, that was, was, yeah. I mean, but we always look back fondly because we think that, oh, man, if life were only like that. Yeah. This is that mind's eye piece that yeah. I always find so fascinating. Man, today's, these days are terrible. Well, you know, I kind of remember the '70s, not all of them, but yeah. uh, but enough of them. And I know that there was crazy crime in the 1970s, strife, political craziness. We had Iranian hostage situation in the 1970s. Well, we had Watergate. Uh, we didn't get out of Vietnam until what '74, really Saigon right. falling. Yeah. So that was, you know, there, there was yeah this horrific early part of the decade. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about it: a president resigning. Yes. Uh, the end of the Vietnam War, which was a, a more than a decades-long tragedy, but finally, you know, we got out of there uh, after more than 50,000 young men and women were killed, and then Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford, and whip inflation now, and then Jimmy Carter, talking about the malaise, and you mentioned the hostage crisis. New York City was pretty much done, you know, I mean, it was just a cesspool. You see, there's some great documentaries about oh, that and the great films made in the 1970s and then, in and then you started getting all these kind of you know that was the other thing in, in cinema you had you were still getting like these old-fashioned musicals and and you know these big movies like airport and hotel but then you had all these cutting-edge movies like mean streets and yep. panic and needle park and, right. you know and, and the conversation etc so there was this dichotomy and i was right in the middle of it and all i tell people is if you watch dazed and confused that is a documentary about my high school time you know, that exact, even though it was in Texas, the fashion, what yep. people did, all of it. So, to Bill Freeze, aka C.W. McCall, 
93. So he had a good long yeah. life. Thank actually, you for your contribution. Actually, and you know what? He actually became a mayor in Colorado for a while in a small town. So he had, you know, this life. And they recently resurrected Convoy when those truckers were, I don't know, what, what were they doing in Canada? And then a little bit in D.C. They were oh, they were protesting something. Yes. <laughs> they were, they were, was it the vaccine? Well, it started the vaccine. They didn't want to get turned into Some truckers didn't want, yeah. And then they just became these, they were convoys. Right. So they would play that song. They canceled the vaccine mandate while they were still protesting, so they had to figure out something else to protest about. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, they kind of, not that they really affected it, but, you know, the worst thing when someone's really, you know, really worked up about something is to win. (laughs) It's like if you ever told a conspiracy theorist they were correct, they'd be like, no, I'm not. (laughs) What? It freaks them out. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let me, let me, uh, let's just lock this thing up right now because uh, we've done a lot of damage. The Road Rover Podcast is being brought to you by AmericanEagle.com, who has AmericanEagle.com studios, out of which we work. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. I want to thank Tim Alanius and Renee Nelson, our executive producers, and the long-suffering Demita Menezes for putting all of this together for us. We'll see you next time.